Hey, welcome back, Clinical Pearls family. This is part two of our antepartum fetal surveillance wrap-up. And if you heard part one, which if you didn't hear part one, you really have to go back because this wouldn't make much sense. This is part two. But I made a commitment to increase our resident education through these podcasts. So in our previous one, we had Dr. Catherine Jimenez, who did fantastic as we covered fetal kit counts and we did... Um, non-stress tests. Well, today we're going to pick up that conversation, but joining me today, we have the one and the only. Hey everybody, I'm Leslie Clark. She is fantastic. So today we're going to hear from Dr. Leslie Clark, who is a great resident, just like Dr. Jimenez, and we're excited and we're going to have fun. And is is it scripted, Leslie, by the way? No, not at all. Oh my goodness. So bear with us. We're going to get through this, but this is why this makes it fresh. It's fun. And this is how we teach, right? I mean, we're in the clinic right now. So we're doing this again, another impromptu podcast, because we are literally in our antepartum surveillance clinic this morning. And so we've got now that we've wrapped up our patient care, let's cover biophysical profiles, one of the most misunderstood tests that are done for fetal wellness. Ready? Ready. Let's get to it. just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. You can participate in this podcast discussion. Listen to this episode on Spotify and answer the podcast question right under the episode description. Do you use AFI or maximal vertical pocket during your antepartum fetal surveillance? Because we're going to get into that in this session. So listen to this podcast on Spotify and under the session description, answer the question and I'll pin the responses as they come in so we can see what everybody else is doing. All right, Leslie, let's get right into it. We did a lot of biophysical profiles this morning. Actually, we did the modified, which we're going to get into. But here's a question for you, all right? Now, nobody wants to be wasting their time, and I'm definitely not saying that we did that at all. But here's what it comes down to. Because no one's actually asked me, Leslie. I think it's interesting. Does this actually help prevent fetal loss? In other words, reduce stillbirth. Does it really do that? What does the data show? What do you think? Well, I don't think it prevents fetal loss, but it gives us something that we can do to help reassure mothers. In fact, like ACOG is saying that the data is not there to show you that that monitoring is preventing fetal loss. Wow. See, that's great, guys. Did y'all get that? Remember, unscripted right off the bat, and that's true. And she said something that's very key there. She said it's to reassure, and it's to reassure, number one, the patient first. Let's see. That's awesome. Two is actually to reassure the the physician. But if we really want to get down to it, according to the June 2021 ACOG Bulletin on antepartum surveillance, guys, listen to this. What a weird way to start a sentence, right? Let's listen to this right out of the bulletin. In spite of its unproven value. Ooh, let's stop right there. All right, so is that wild or what? I mean, that's how the sentence starts from the college. In spite of its unproven value, antepartum fetal surveillance is widely integrated into clinical practice. Here's what the rest of the statement says. It says, there's a lack of high quality evidence from randomized clinical trials that antepartum fetal surveillance decreases the risk of fetal death. 
Now, let me be very clear here. And I've already said this, Leslie, before. This does not mean, and I'm not implying not to do antepartum surveillance. I mean, I'm not saying that at all. For sure, keep doing it. We just have to realize that a lot of the times we're doing these tests without quality evidence because, well, we've got to do something. And Leslie said the key word there. It's all about reassurance, reassurance of both the patient and reassurance for the providers that at least we're doing our part to try to keep adverse issues at bay. All right, Leslie, you've got a question. Having said these things, Dr. Chapa, which would you say is actually the most reassuring surveillance study? All right, so that's great because remember, we talked about there's the kit counts, which a firm trial already kind of ex-nade, well, didn't ex-nade, but put a new light that they're just not what they were meant to be. We talked about NST. Uh, there's contraction stress test. And what's the last one? The one that we're talking about today, which is the biophysical profile. For sure. And we're still going to get into that. I didn't lose sight of, of what our focus is. And we're going to talk about the full biophysical and the modified biophysical, which is my favorite. Okay. But the question was, and it's a good one, Leslie, which one is the most reassuring? All right, now in most cases, a normal antepartum fetal test result is highly reassuring. And that's because in general, there's a very low false negative rate. So what we're talking about here is the incidence of stillbirth occurring within one week of a normal test result. The stillbirth rate corrected for lethal congenital anomalies and unpredictable causes of fetal demise is about 1.9 per thousand NSTs. So remember that 1.9 per thousand NSTs. And for modified and full biophysical profiles, the rate of stillbirth is actually the same. It's 0.8 per 1,000. So don't let somebody tell you, well, I do a full biophysical and you only do a modified, so mine is better. That's actually not true because the rate of stillbirth after a negative test in those cases is the same whether you do a full biophysical or the modified at the rate of stillbirth of 0.8 per 1,000. The best, Leslie, is actually one that we don't traditionally do because we actually put the baby on stress or put him on the treadmill. And which test is that? That's the contractions uh, stress test, which we don't see anymore. For sure. And that's the because, you know, we're exposing somebody to contractions. It could trigger preterm labor. But that one actually has the lowest unexpected rate of, of stillbirth at 0.3 per thousand. All right, so you all get the numbers. So non-stress tests alone is 1.9 per thousand uh, in, in predicting unpredictable loss. The modified biophysical or the complete biophysical, they're both the same at 0.8 per thousand. So it's really, really good. And the contraction stress test is 0.3 per thousand. So all of that means is that for the biophysical profile, the modified biophysical profile, they both have a negative predictive value of about 99.9%. That's really good. The problem is the positive predictive value, Leslie, is just not that good. But that's why if you can do a modified or a full and they're good, then you can pretty much send them home. So again, what is the, the chance of the stillbirth rate for a modified or a full biophysical profile? It's 0.8 in 1,000. So how's that for reassuring? That's your word, right? You said we're doing this to reassure people or to reassure mothers. And again, at a rate of 0.8 per thousand, that actually is quite reassuring. Okay, Leslie, what are the parts of the biophysical profile, the complete test, not the modified? The five components of the biophysical profile. First one being the NST. 
The other four are things that you find on ultrasound. Um, with movement, gross movements of the fetus, breathing of the fetus, um, tone of the fetus, and the AFI or the maximal vertical pocket. All right. So that's an important thing there. Because remember, one of the things that we mentioned is we're going to clear up some kind of misperceptions here. And I hate the term breathing because do the babies breathe in utero? Maybe amniotic fluid. <laughs> well, right. Remember, breathing entails that somehow the baby is breathing. But remember, there's gas exchange through the placenta. So what we're really looking for, of course, is diaphragmatic excursions. We're looking for diaphragmatic movements. But we all call it breathing. The baby isn't breathing. Now, there is a physiologic purpose for that, right? Remember, especially in, in younger uh, gestational ages, we're talking about 24 to 26, as that diaphragm pulls down, it pulls amniotic fluid in, it goes into the air sacs. That's necessary for mechanical mechanical function and development of the alveolar of the alveolar sacs. But remember that one of the components, even though we call it breathing, it's not technically breathing, it's diaphragmatic excursion. So the five components are again <laughs> the NST, gross movements of the fetus, breathing or fake breathing, Dr. Chapa. <laughs> right. <laughs> gross tone and the AFI or maximal vertical pocket. All right. All right, Leslie, thanks for walking us through the components. Now, tell us what those actually mean. We already covered NSC, so let's not get into that. But tell me about this fetal breathing. Oh, I hate that. The diaphragmatic movement. And how much fetal gross body movements are we looking for in order to earn the credit for each category? And we'll talk about scoring in just a minute. But walk us, walk us through the components here. So for your fetal-like breathing movements, you need to see at least 30 seconds or more of the diaphragmatic excursion uh, during your 30-minute window for the BPP. Also, for fetal movements, you have to see three or more discrete body movements within that 30 minutes. Um, this is different, though, from fetal tone. Tone is the actual flexion and then extension of an extremity or even the spine. Um, closing or opening the hand Great. can be involved in this, too. So you need to have one or more of the tone. All right. Now, hold on, because one is missing, and that's fluid determination. And remember I said at the beginning that there's a lot of this kind of weird misconceptions or perceptions about this. Some get AFI, some get largest pocket. Well, we're going to try to set the record straight here based on the data. All right. Now, to be clear, you can get whatever you want to do, but one is definitely preferred over the other, especially from SMFM. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But Leslie, tell us about if we're using AFI, which I don't like to do, what is the number cutoff for oligo? And what is the maximum vertical pocket? And what is that depth? So tell us about oligo. That's really what we're looking for here. Low fluid based on AFI or the preferred MVP. So oligohydramnios is diagnosed with an AFI of less than five. Um, however, now we're leaning more towards a deepest vertical pocket um, to diagnose both oligo and for your BPP monitoring. So what that deepest vertical pocket needs to be is two centimeters deep and at least one centimeter wide. All right. Excellent. So do y'all get that? So here's the issue of AFI and maximum vertical pocket or deepest vertical pocket. I like MVP because it sounds kind of sportsy. <laughs> I'm not sportsy, <laughs> but you get the idea. Maximum vertical pocket. According to the data and what SMFM actually prefers is that while AFI is totally legitimate, you're more likely to overcall oligo with an AFI that's not linked to any fetal morbidity. In other words, it has poor specificity because AFI is really linked to, to fetal movement. And the more that you look for things, the more room for error. So if you can find one pocket that's vertically deep, free of any cord, 
or extremity that's at least two centimeters deep, one centimeter wide, that's valid. That's much more likely to be linked to true oligo and true compromise in AFI. Now, on the flip side, which is not really what we're talking about here for excessive fluid, but do you know how much fluid is considered excessive on a maximal vertical pocket? Say it. <laughs> maximal vertical pocket no, no, no not really sure about that but a total afi of 25 or more is ex is considered excessive but when i see a huge pocket like over 10 i start to worry all right <laughs> that's difference? fair see don't you love not scripted stuff but this makes it real look guys this is where we're sitting here in the clinic and this is what we're doing and it's it's educational even for us so a maximal vertical pocket greater than eight, eight. by ultrasound standards by aium acog smfm it's greater than eight and 10. So you, were, you weren't that far off. So remember two and eight is the sweet spot. Less than two is oligo greater than eight is excessive. We're wrapping this up, all right? But I want to leave Leslie with a question. Look, we used to do this a lot for the oral boards and it's a good question because people remember answers without knowing concept. And this is all about knowing why you, you believe a certain thing, right? So if I told you that a score, biophysical score of eight out of eight, okay? So no non-stress tests, just ultrasound markers, okay? Eight out of eight. In other words, there's good fetal movement, there's diaphragmatic excursion, there's normal tone fluid is good, eight out of eight. Um, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Absolutely. That's fair. You're good to go. You can get the NST if you desire. Uh, and if it's eight out of 10, because the NST is, is not reactive, it could be a sleep cycle. That's fine. You still let her go. Maybe repeat it in, in a couple of days. That's fair. But what if I told you that the value was eight out of 10? Is that normal? This feels like a trick question. So. <laughs> good, good <guess. laughs> but yeah, I mean, it could be normal. It could not though. You see, and this is the catch, guys, because I get in, the interns are fantastic, right? <laughs> interns are fantastic, or especially our medical students who they come in and, or even new nurses. We have a lot of nursing uh, faculty and, and staff who listen to the podcast and they say, oh, don't worry, I'm going to send her home. It's eight out of 10. She's fine because eight out of 10 is they've learned, quote, normal. Well, it's totally normal unless the last two is a fluid issue. Because if you have oligo greater than 36 weeks, then the, the onus is on the physician, on the provider, uh, on the midwife, on whoever's taking care of the patient to look for where, why is that fluid low? Number one, make sure she's not ruptured. And if it really is low after 36 weeks, ACOG says, Leslie, that's a medically indicated reason for induction. Mm -hmm. So do you see how if you just learn, oh, eight and above is normal, I'm good, you can fall into, into a hole. You see that. So don't forget to ask about the components. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, something else that's super important, Leslie, walk us through how the dominoes actually have to fall here. So remember, if you meet the criteria, you get two points for the biophysical profile score. And if you don't meet it, it's a zero. There's nothing in between. Mm -hmm. It's all no or none. No, no ones. <laughs> right. Zero or two. But they have to knock down in series. There's a physiological way that these components knock down. So Leslie, tell us about that. Yeah, so I like um, that this is both um, showing you a, from a physiologic standpoint and also why we're doing more modified BPPs. Excellent. Yeah, so the first thing that's always going to go um, from a fetal surveillance, if there if there is any type of um, uh, hypoxia, yeah, hypoxia or fetal stress going on, is going to be signs in your NST which is a lot of times why you start with the NSC portion of the, the testing before you start your ultrasound. 
Um, the second thing is gross fetal movement. So you always want to inquire with your mothers, um, are you feeling your baby move? The awareness. Awareness of, uh, is your baby moving like they normally right. do? Or is it decreased or increased? Anything like that. The next thing, um, the fetus will have um, maybe less episodes or none at all of their practice breathing. Right. And you won't see that on the ultrasound. Um, the next step would be decrease in fetal tone. So yeah. no flexion or extension of fetal extremities, hands, or spine. And then the very last thing, part of also the modified BPP to get full spectrums here, would be the AFI or the maximal vertical pocket. Um, so that's why with a modified BPP, you check both the NST and the AFI because right, you see, beginning, yeah. Beginning and end. Up to the bottom. Right. <laughs> no, and that's fair, guys. So the modified biophysical, that's my uh, one go-to test because I don't want very ADD if you haven't figured that out. So I can't sit there for 30 minutes and do it. Plus, those issues can be very subjective, right? Was that a breathing episode? And was that 30 seconds? So by doing the modified, and I'm so thankful this was done over 20 years ago, that they found that the negative predictive value of just using the NST as the acute marker, an AFI or maximum vertical pocket fluid determination as a chronic marker, by doing the bookends, the, the ones in the middle actually don't matter. So the way that you score a modified NST and fluid check is still zero or two. So normal would be four out of four. Right, two for each category. And if one of those is missing, then the test is not normal, it's not reassuring, and then you've got to likely do the full. Correct. So again, modified, if you want to do the full biophysical, knock yourself out. I don't have the patience for that. I'd be down three cups of coffee already in my 30 <laughs> minutes. Um, but it's just a non-stress test and the fluid check, the modified is just as valid as the full. Well, I think we held to our mission, Leslie, right? We covered biophysical. We said it was one of the most misunderstood tests because people remember an answer but don't really understand why it's there. Short of it is eight and above in general is fine unless the fluid is low. Six is indeterminate. And then four and under is generally probable asphyxia and that demands outside of extreme prematurity uh, immediate attention. I didn't say delivery, just immediate attention, which may include delivery. So Leslie, what do you think? You have a good time? Yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me. Well, you did great for an impromptu, non-scripted <laughs> end to our OB Asano clinic. You did fantastic. So as always, thanks for being part of our Clinical Pearls family. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Bye. Bye.